and a warm welcome to this bonus episode of the EMJ podcast. My name is Dr. Hannah Moyer, Senior Medical Writer and Moderator for EMJ. Today we are thrilled to be bringing you a fascinating discussion between three renowned respiratory experts who explore the topic of rare lung diseases and provide valuable insights on the current medical recommendations as well as the key unmet needs discussed at the European Respiratory Society ERS Congress 2023. This podcast has been sponsored by CSL Bering. Joining us today, we have Professor Marlies Wiesenbeck, a pulmonary physician and professor at the Erasmus University Medical Centre in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Professor Wiesenbeck is chair of the Multidisciplinary Interstitial Lung Disease Centre and her research interests include patient-centred outcome measures in ILD, e-health and new therapies in idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and sarcoidosis. We are also joined by Professor Jerry McIlvaney, Professor of Medicine, Head of the School of Medicine and Director of the Cystic Fibrosis Unit in the Respiratory Research Division at Beaumont Hospital Dublin at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, University of Medicine and Health Sciences in Dublin, Ireland. Professor McIlvaney is an expert in translational research with a specific interest in cystic fibrosis and alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. Also joining us, we have Professor Luca Raccheldi, Professor of Respiratory Diseases, Director of the Graduate School and Director of the Department of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Sciences at the Agustino Gemelli Hospital at the Catholic University of the Sacred Heart in Rome, Italy. Professor Raccheldi is a leading expert in idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, including the drafting of the international guidelines on the diagnosis and treatment of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and the classification of idiopathic interstitial pneumonia. In this section, which is directed towards the expertise of Professor McIlvaney, the discussion focuses specifically on the relevance of detecting and diagnosing alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency, AATD, for lung diseases, as well as consideration of other diagnostic techniques and standards of care options for patients with AATD. Professor Wiesenbeck opens the discussion with the first question for Professor McIlvaney. Which lung function results should actually trigger testing for AATD in clinical practice? Could you allude on that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for the question. I, I firmly believe that everyone with obstructive lung disease on spirometry should be tested for alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. And I think that everyone who has asthma, which is not fully reversible, should also be tested. The reason for this is that... Uh, if you look at the NHLBI registry in the US many years ago, one third of the patients finally diagnosed with alpha-1 had initially presented to allergists. So I think it's it's really important to get the diagnosis early. And our, our standard is that everyone with COPD should be tested at least once, that they only need to be tested once, for alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. And people with not fully reversible asthma should also be tested. Yes, Jerry, if, if I may pop in, I think it has a very clear message. But in regard, I mean, since we are pulmonologists, what your, do you think that also diffusion capacity measurement could be a useful tool in this setting or not? Yeah, I, I do think it's very useful, Luca. The problem with DLCO is that in many of the studies, which were multi-center studies, it was very difficult to standardize DLCO over the different centers. Sure. And so as a result, we have less data on DLCO. Now, from my own 
cohort of patients here in Ireland, I know there are quite a number of patients, significant number, who have relatively preserved spirometry but decreased DLCO and significant emphysema on CT scan. So DLCO is, is important. It's just less robust as a measurement, I think, than, than, than FE1, FEC, and much, much more difficult to reproduce. But we, we, we do it on all our patients. Everyone we diagnose with alpha-1, we do pre- and post-bronchodilator spirometry and DLCO. Thanks. You already briefly mentioned the CT scan. Can you tell us a bit more about imaging the CTs or chest X-rays and specific findings that would you know make you think of AATD? Yeah, so that's that's an interesting one because for, for many years the, the the dogma was that you should suspect alpha one in people who presented with lower lobe emphysema, uh, and uh, even in the setting of a relatively short smoking history. But the data we have now from many studies with CT in alpha one show that lower lobe emphysema is not pathognomonic. In fact about 40%, just under 40% of people with severe alpha-1 deficiency will have predominant upper lobe emphysema. So whilst it's important to diagnose emphysema and everyone should get a CT scan, I think we cannot be misled by where the emphysema is. And the second thing is we're getting more sophisticated in using CT scan as a measurement of lung density. And instead of just saying it's emphysema, we can give a number now and we can use that number to follow people up. Right, that's, that's very interesting. Marisa, I have, I'm sure that we share a lot of questions, but Jerry, at least in our country or in Europe, or even in the US, there is a big uh, issue about, uh, a significant issue about the, the importance of neonatal screening. Yes. How, how do you think it will be crucially important to manage patients with alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency? Yeah, so, so Luca, I think it is important uh, for a number of reasons. But if you look at, we in Ireland have a targeted detection program. So we will test everyone with obstructive lung disease, everyone with poorly responsive asthma, but also first degree relatives of people with alpha 1. And we've been looking at this family screening in some depth. And the unfortunate bottom line is that even with family screening, picking up people who haven't come to medical attention, we're still finding a lot of people who smoke and a lot of people with significant airways disease, even though they're relatively asymptomatic. So unfortunately, with the best will in the world, the best targeted detection programs and all this, we're still picking up people too late. And so I think the major message to get across to people from a lung point of view is stop smoking, prevent them smoking. And I think what we have found is once people have a diagnosis of alpha-1, they invariably stop smoking. So I think early intervention and early diagnosis, be it neonatal screening or some other method, is what is required. There are some problems with neonatal screening in that very early in life, the child's blood may be mixed with the mother's blood and it's difficult to make a definitive diagnosis. But you can wait a few months or half a year or whatever and make a definitive diagnosis at that time. Thank you. Thank you. And if you screen people, you're obviously already alluded to the stopping of smoking that is very important. But what about other therapies and therapeutic options and access to those therapies? Yeah, so so uh, we, we always say stop smoking is, not, is very important, and it certainly is. And we, we'd also say that uh, vaccinations are important also. But we have now new data 
that intravenous augmentation therapy, even given at a relatively low dose of 60 milligrams per kilogram once a week, not only slows down progression of emphysema on CT, but also confers a survival advantage. And this is, I think, fairly indisputable data at this moment in time. So we know that replenishing the individual's alpha-1 levels in blood will protect the lung and will not only decrease loss of lung tissue, but also definitely provide a survival advantage, which is uncoupled from the pulmonary function changes which we see. And the reason for that, we think, is that a lot of the people we diagnose with alpha-1 are relatively advanced in their spirometric decline, and they've reached the plateau, which has not changed that much thereafter. But they can still get a survival advantage from intravenous alpha-1, which is not reflected in the pulmonary function testing. Thank you, Jerry. I mean, one one question which is very, I think, uh, burning question these days. And winter season very often means risk of acute exacerbation for patients with chronic respiratory disorder. Is there a, anything that you would recommend your patients or the caring doctors to minimize this risk in patients with alpha one antitrypsin deficiency? Yeah. So I think they should all get influenza vaccination yearly and pneumonia vaccination at least once or according to national guidelines. They should also get COVID vaccination, although we have no definite evidence that COVID affects alpha-1 patients worse than non-alpha-1 CBD patients. But I think those are simple things that can be done. Uh, some of the exacerbations are obviously viral, but some may be bacterial. And uh, theoretically, people with alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency are at more risk of progressive lung disease following an exacerbation than others because when the neutrophils go in to kill the bacteria, they will spew out neutrophil elastase, which can damage the lungs. And people with alpha-1 deficiency do not have enough alpha-1 antitrypsin to protect their lungs. Sure. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that concludes today's podcast discussion. Our thanks go to our experts, Professor Marlies Wiesenbeck, Professor Jerry McIlvaney and Professor Luca Riccheldi for joining us today and sharing their insights considering the current medical recommendations and unmet needs in the field of rare lung diseases. If you enjoyed this episode of the EMJ podcast, please do not forget to subscribe through your preferred podcast platform or by visiting emjreviews.com where we release a new episode every Friday as well as plenty of bonus episodes just like this one. These alongside an informative symposium review article entitled Shaping the Future in Rare Lung Diseases from Imaging to Patient Management can also be accessed at emjreviews.com. Until next time, take care and goodbye for now.